0: All right. Here we go. On a Sunday morning in Las Vegas, I'm Brian Feldman and coming to you live from the Fox Sports Residential Bancorp studio. This is Out of Line. We are here every Sunday morning at 8 on Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. Also here is our social media director Spencer "The Wiz" Ostrovsky.
1: Nobody beats the wind, nobody beats the wind.
0: And handling the big board is producer Chris Magnum-Chapman, who aside from producing a number of shows at Lotus Broadcasting, also serves as the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network and the UNLV pre pregame show host on our other sister station, ESPN Radio Las Vegas. We're also streaming on the LV Sports Network. And you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions. Are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp. Studio line is 702 876 1340. This is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap, brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp is the company to turn to for all of your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 to get information on all Of the home financing options currently available in the state of Nevada. On tap, former NFL linebacker Mike Jones, uh, known for the tackle in Super Bowl 34, joins the show to talk about Super Bowl 57. I'm real curious to get Mike's. Thoughts on the way the game ended. A lot of people still consider that very controversial. The Vegas Golden Knights have now won five in a row and are on top in the Western Conference big time after the All-Star break. Um, speaking of a team that's, uh, well, I guess they haven't won five in a row. They haven't won more than a ten in a row since the beginning of the season, but the UNLV run Rebels. Um drop one this week. They only played one game, and it was against Fresno State. Swept by Fresno State. We'll talk about that. San, in San a Jose more. State. It was San Jose State, yeah, yeah. right. Well, swept by, well, not yet. Both yeah, of them. But yeah, <laughs> really, but both teams. <laughs> both, but um, Both uh, California
2: schools. Actually, all three of them have brought out the brooms this year.
0: Yeah, it's not uh, not looking good, but um, we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. Also, a uh, free agency looms uh, for some quarterbacks in the National Football League. Derek Carr has another interview this weekend, something Chris Magnum doesn't want to think about. We'll talk About that in a little bit, also, and um, also a tragedy at Michigan State, my alma mater. We're going to start the show off talking about that in just a minute as well, and um, uh, we'll break down some other things also here in sports today. Uh, But real quickly, um, let's get right to uh, the Michigan State. um, What what had happened at Michigan State, uh, you guys are pretty well aware of that now. Three MSU students were killed, five others hospitalized after 43-year-old Anthony Dwayne McRae opened fire in two buildings on campus last Monday. McRae died of self-inflicted gunshot wound when he was confronted by police off campus in the aftermath of the mass shooting um, classes at Michigan State were canceled for the remainder of the week. I think sporting events did not take place for two days, and uh, the this- Classes that were in the two buildings where the shooting took place will not hold classes for the rest of the semester. Um, yesterday, really cool. Michigan played Michigan State, the big rivalry. Of the game was played in Ann Arbor. Uh, Michigan ended up winning the basketball game. Um, you know, it, it, actually a pretty good game, but Michigan State ended up winning it late and um, kind of ran away with it. However, um, regardless of the final score that was 84 72, Michigan State, uh, Michigan. Um, U of M marching band at one point played uh, the alma mater for Michigan State and after the game Tom Izzo had this to say
3: the escaped for two hours. two hours players I appreciate the effort they gave me um, it was an interesting week to say the least and uh, trying to figure out how to deal with it, manage it, um, motivate, sympathize. Uh, There are a lot of key words that went into what we did, but all in all, uh, we played the game for two hours, played the game to try to make many people back in East Lansing and around the world that are Michigan State alums escape for two hours.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you, Chris, um, you know, we talked about it a little bit before the show, getting in here, and uh, just really, um, I don't even know what to say about it. Things like this are ju- just absolutely drive me crazy. I mean, you just have an inkling you don't want to be here anymore, you're unhappy. Uh, I just don't know, why can't you just leave yourself and, uh, you know, you just impact so many lives when you take another's life. And uh, you know, you know beyond the selfish act, it just it just never makes any sense to me those things that happen.
2: Yeah, it, it's obviously a, a very disgusting epidemic that we have here in the United States. Um, you know, following Michigan State, there was another mass shooting at a shopping mall in El Paso, yeah. which was right next to right next to the Walmart where a gunman killed over 20 people a couple of years ago. Then we had another mass shooting on Friday in the state of Mississippi, the state with essentially no gun laws. Uh, the Michigan State one, you know, you you think about that because we're both parents. We both have kids who are, you know, your kids are college age. My son is a freshman in high school. And as a parent, you're forced to think about those things. There was a student, and I, I there, there probably are more students who have gone through it, but there was one that they they pointed out who was a high school student at Oxford, Michigan, yeah. which last year, that high school, there was a shooting, yeah. and people may remember because the parents of the shooter bought the kid the gun despite the fact that he had all sorts of issues. They still bought him the gun, and a couple days later, he goes into his high school in Oxford and shoots and kills four students, including a student athlete, a, a, I believe it was a theater kid, Um and there was a girl who buried her friend. Her friend, she was a student at Oxford. The student, this girl was a student at Oxford, and now she goes through the shooting at Michigan State. She was in the union when this guy walked in and started shooting. When we have kids who are going through multiple mass shootings about a year apart, something needs to be done. Yeah, I mean, I I, I know this isn't that type of show, but something has to change. We we. Your thoughts and prayers are meaningless. That's you saying we're going to do the bare minimum because we don't really care. Change it. When children are going through multiple mass shootings in 15 months in their high school and then at their university, that's a problem. That's a problem nobody wants to address. I don't have the answers. I don't know how we fix this. But it doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. It doesn't happen in Japan. It doesn't happen in South Korea. It doesn't happen in Germany. It doesn't happen in England. It doesn't happen in Australia. They had issues and they fixed it. Yeah. Our politicians, I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican. I don't care if you're libertarian, communist, independent. It doesn't matter. When our children have to worry about being killed in their classroom, When people need to worry about being murdered in a food court at the mall, when people need to worry about being shot and killed in church, in their church, yeah, I there's just no words, man. It's it's as a parent, it concerns me. You know, I I I drop my kid off to get on the school bus every every Wednesday through Friday morning, and every morning I think to myself, Am I ever? Is this the day?
0: You know, they're, yeah, they're, they're thoughts that you shouldn't even have to no, have. No. And, and like you said, Chris, um, I am, um, you know, distraught over it. You could hear Tom Izzo. He couldn't even get through the speech. You know, tears were in his eyes when, yeah. he, was, when ba- he was talking. Basketball yesterday and,
2: was was a distraction yeah. when it should be a celebration. Well, it, was,
0: it was, like I said, to see the biggest rival for Michigan State, Michigan's their biggest rival. For Michigan, obviously, in football, Ohio State is. But, you know, to see the two those two schools really unite. Uh, is just something that that's what makes things special, and what where sports can be so special and, and warm your heart for a second. But again, there, there, there's nothing you can say about this act, and and you know, say it just affects our children, Chris. I mean, that's where I went to college. I mean, I was on that campus. I've been in those buildings. I mean, it's just it's 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 mind blowing. It really is. And as you said, something has to be done. A lot of students were were you know went to Capitol Hill in 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 East Lansing, which is the capital of the state of Michigan. And did complain and they said they're going to be some legislation but something just does have to be done and uh, and again just thoughts and prayers obviously out to the family to my alma mater um, that they get things together and like you said Chris the basketball game wasn't necessarily a distraction no one really cared about the final outcome it was just the outpouring and you could see it from students in both schools um, how impactful that was and uh, I don't want it to be impactful because I just simply don't want it to happen uh, so you don't have to say wow look at how great that effort was that effort Effort shouldn't have been there because this whole thing shouldn't have happened and something needs to happen so it does stop. Listen, without further ado, I do want to bring our guest on the show today. Been looking forward to it. Couldn't come on last week, had some obligations, but uh, want to bring on Mike Jones, uh, former linebacker in the National Football League, actually a former running back in college, converted to linebacker when he uh, got into the pros, played for the Raiders that are now here in Vegas, but then, of course, uh, Mike became known to the entire world for a play called the Tackle in um, Super Bowl 34 between the Tennessee Titans and the St. Louis Rams at the time. One of the two Super Bowl games I got to attend and cover, and one of the greatest Super Bowl games I think still played to this day, although we did see a pretty good one this year. We'll talk about that in a second. Mike, it's a subject, I know it's one that comes up almost every day in your life, but something that really has defined you and changed your life in so many ways, opened up so many doors. Um, I just saw a little Dick Vermeil talking real recently about 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 how you and him have stayed in touch after all these years. He's given you some advice on coaching. First and foremost, I want to welcome you to the show and ask how you're doing, man, coaching high school football now.
3: Well, I'm doing great. How are you doing, Brian?
0: Oh, you know, Mike, I, you know, I'm out here in Las Vegas living the dream, and uh, we're getting ready to have Super Bowl 58 here next year, and this town is buzzing over that and buzzing over the fact that we have two professional sports franchises in Las Vegas. I'll tell you, growing up, Mike, myself, probably you're the same. We're close in age. Um, whoever thought you would see professional franchises playing in Las Vegas? You know what?
3: That it, And it's ironic, because I played for the Raiders, and And I can remember when I was with the Raiders, we would go to Las Vegas. You know, we didn't, well, we didn't make the Super Bowl. We would go down and watch the game down there. And the fans were phenomenal. Um, You know, I always said the Raiders were a California team, but most definitely Las Vegas loved the Raiders. And it's a great spot for them. And, Hopefully they'll bring some success and bring a Super Bowl there.
0: Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to, uh, you know, them getting better. Uh, they're, they're changing quarterback, a lot of disarray in the last couple of years with John Gruden and obviously what happened there. And then, of course, Henry Ruggs, uh, their number one draft pick, that tragic car accident. They've been through a lot in the past couple of years. And then, uh, you know, this year, a real disappointment after last year making it to the playoffs, probably giving Cincinnati all that anyone gave until they got to the Super Bowl against the Rams, uh, excuse me, against um uh, yeah against the Rams and uh you know then Vegas kind of a letdown this year but it's nice to see this team in Vegas the support Mike is gigantic I know somehow we got to get you out here next year I want you sitting next to me during the Super Bowl show next year but um aside from that you got to watch the Super Bowl this year obviously you saw you know you're you're in Missouri so you know Kansas City close by you saw the Kansas City Chiefs they have been uh, you know after this Super Bowl when people are starting to think about tagging them with that dynasty thing tag, but um, they played a really formidable opponent in Philadelphia, and you know, I was on the Eagles. I think a lot of people were because that old adage, my friend, defense wins championships, and all everybody was talking about was this great Eagles defense, 70-plus sacks during a season, which is almost unprecedented. The closest team to them was over 15 sacks behind them. You've got a defense, again, the front four is great, a secondary, one of the best in football this year, and that's all people were talking about. And you know, Mike, being a professional player, man, that's such chalkboard stuff when you go in locker room. Hey, offensive line, guess what? They're saying the Eagles are going to run muck over you. Patrick Mahomes is going to be on his ass all day. And, uh, and by the way, it's the best defense in football, Chris Jones. Even though you are probably the best player on the field defensively, we're not going to talk about you. We're going to just rave about this Eagles defense. Mike, when you hear something like that in the locker room, how much does that fuel the fire before a game like this?
3: I'm going to tell you a funny story. We were – the year we won the Super Bowl, we played the New York Giants. And, uh, you know, if we beat the Giants, we were going to make the – we were going to make the playoffs. We weren't going to win the division, but we were going to make the playoffs. So, of course, everyone starts talking about the big bag Giants. They're coming in town. You know, these guys going to run all over you. Well, some of it was manufactured by the coaches. We found out later. Uh, so, we had all this bulletin board on their p- material. So by the time the game was starting, I mean, it was it was no way that this team was going to beat us. You're breathing. And
0: you're breathing, and so much breathing at point. That point.
3: Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, you, you know, it, everyone talks about it's a game and, you know, it's a business side to it. But, you know, you got a lot of grown men out there with a lot of pride. And when someone is your pride, you know, you 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 want to react to that. And so so we will fast forward to the Chiefs. The Chiefs, I won't say they were disrespected. What I will say is they didn't they didn't get enough respect by everyone in the league. When you look at what they've done over the last three years, and then, you know, granted, Cincinnati had beaten them. But, but then they were, before the season started, Russell Wilson's going to be going to take over the NFC West. Then, you know, you got uh, the Buffalo Bills, who hadn't beat the Chiefs when they counted. They're going to be a team going to the Super Bowl. Oh, and then they got the Cincinnati Bengals who, you know, last year they played a heck of a season, but they went to the Super Bowl. So now you, you're the Chiefs sitting back and all season, all you heard is you, there's, there's four or five of the teams better than you, but in the last three to four years, we've been the guys come out of, AFC, out of the AFC. So yes, that it wasn't just the, the, the Eagles, it was Cincinnati, it was Buffalo, it was a whole bunch of other stuff that added to the to fuel to the fire for those guys to go. So all they did was just, you know, every week it was somebody, they just changed the name. It was either the Cincinnati Bengals or it was the Buffalo Bills or it was the uh Philadelphia Eagles. They always the the worst thing I say about about and I'll end it with this: the worst thing you can do for Patrick Mahomes, and I always said this: do not make him the underdog. You tell him you let that sleeping dog lay. Hey, hey you the greatest, you are gonna be the greatest quarterback, let him. Let him be, don't motivate him. Because when you motivate that guy, he is scared.
0: You want to sing his praises. Let him think, you know, you you think he's great. Uh, Maybe it'll it'll ease the fire. Like you said, Mike, it was a snowball effect. It started rolling downhill early in the postseason, and then, of course, when he gets hurt in the Cincinnati game, oh, God, it's a high ankle sprain. Well, they said Patrick Mahomes is a quick healer, but a high ankle sprain can be devastating, and this man just finds a way to play through it. He wills himself through it, Mike, and again, we are talking with Mike Jones, Super Bowl 34 champion, uh, known for the tackle in Super Bowl 34 that saved the game, and um, Mike jo- jo- joining us right now before he's got to walk in. I know you got you got an obligation a little bit, but we're going to keep you for one more minute here. I gotta get a few more questions, India Mike. Of course, Mike right now is the head football coach at Saint, Lu- Saint Louis University High School. Been involved in football since uh, he-, he was a kid. Mike, this game itself. Now you talk about Patrick Mahomes, the success he'd had. The defense of Kansas City. I'm not going to say they played well, but they stepped up when they had to step up. This especially in the second half, to keep them in the game. Mike, you know, you see such a great game. I mean, that game, you know, I I loved being at it. It was so cool being at the Georgia Dome and watching you guys play the Tennessee Titans. That was an exciting game, the greatest show on turf. Maybe not as high-scoring of a game as everyone expected, but still an action-packed, thrilling game that literally came down to the last play of the game. This was a very similar situation. Third and eight play, and James Bradbury does a little bit of a tug on the Georgia. Jersey of Juju Smith-Schuster, and everybody, you know, you know, both sides were going to just go nuts. You hate to see a game in that way. For you, I know it's like a double-edged sword, because being a Missouri, you're kind of a Kansas City fan, even though you never played for them. I know a little bit of a rival with the Raiders, but that's where you're at, and yet you're a defensive player. And you see that happen, and you know, Mike, the, the old saying is you can call a penalty on every play in football. If you really watch the trenches, somebody's holding on every play, and you watch defensive backs, somebody's tugging or a little bumping after the five-yard five grace period. So what do you think about that play? Obviously, if you, if you peel back the layers of the onion, it's a penalty. There was a slight jersey grab, but again, a game of that magnitude. And Mike, I'm talking a lot here, but one more thing is I think this players and all the players and coaches I've talked to about officiating they say look you know they're humans they're going to make mistakes or they're going to make different calls what we want is consistency if you're going to make ticky tack calls make them all game if you're not going to make them then don't make them all game but don't make some calls and don't make others you know and make others and that's kind of what we saw in this game I didn't see consistency so that's probably what bothered me about that call more than anything else but again Technically, that was pass interference.
3: Well, well if you look at the, the, at the beginning of the game, I want to say the first series, the second series, they, they ran a slant and two guys got almost taken to the ground, but they didn't call the penalty. So, you know, so the whole game, we can say what we want, but the, as a coach, you're going to be unofficial saying, hey, this guy's been holding all game, watch the hold. That That's your job as a coach. And on the defensive side, you're going to try and just be candid. You're going to play what they officiate. If they allow you to hold, if they allow you to get away with some things, you're going to continue to do that. So the way I saw it was, yes, it was a holding, without a doubt. Um, It was near the end of the game. So, you know, everyone's is kind (laughs) of – they kind of – the officials got their hands ready to throw a flag, so you got to be careful. And then where it happened at and how it happened to and who to it happened too, because that guy was held early in the game. You add all those things together and that flag was coming out. So, you know, that and that, that's the way I just saw it. You, 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 you've been playing with fire all game, holding the guys. Cause they were, they were, I'm, I shouldn't say holding. They weren't being, they were allowing them to play. And when you allow them to play and inside throw a flag, can it hurt you? Yes, but you know that's a possibility of happening.
0: No, I I agree with you. And two quotes that are very important. Of course, James Bradbury took the high road, which I think you need to do. And he said, it was a holding. I tugged his jersey. I was hoping they would let it slide. And then Carl Sheffers, who's the referee, said, the defender grabbed the jersey with his right hand and restricted him from releasing to the outside. So, therefore, we called defensive holding. And, again, he said, what am I supposed to do? Look at my watch and pretend I didn't see it? I understand all that. Again, I think with all of us, it's more how anticlimactic that makes a game where if they kick a field goal, you still got Philadelphia with a chance to go down and either tie or win the game and that's what everyone wants to see. You don't want to see it that way, but um, I can't disagree with you, Mike. Again, technically it is a holding. I just hated seeing it end that way and after during the play, this is actually a sound of the play live when it was happening Uh, and you can hear Greg Olson, of course Hall of Fame tight end, in the, you know, it calling the game, doing the color for the game, and his thoughts on the play.
1: To the pass, holding, number 24, defense, penalty, automatic, first down. Yeah, that's worst case scenario, you'll see James Bradbury, they're going to say he grabs him, he's got his left hand on his back, I don't know, I might listen, I think on this stage, I, I think you let him play, obviously Mahomes thought he saw it, I think... I, don't know, I think you let him play finish this thing out I don't love that
0: call yeah you yeah, know you and know, I, and I get what he's saying but it's of course it's an offensive player a guy that does go out for passes that caught a lot of passes and a lot of touchdowns in his career so that would be a call that Greg Olson would make I'll bet if Mike Jones was sitting there under the color he would have said defensively like uh, you know I, I you know same t- same type of thing like um you know I you know I don't because again, Greg Olson would be a guy you would think would be on the other side, and he he basically said that it wasn't a penalty in his mind, but again, you looking at it from the defensive perspective and looking at it, you know objectively, it was a penalty. again, we're, 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 we're you know it's, it's if or not, but' it's, it's a penalty.
3: Well, I'll tell you what's ironic about that because you said Greg didn't he thought they should let him play. I'm almost sure Greg was on that uh, Miami, Ohio State game. When they lost the national championship, yeah. you know, and, and so that, that that could have opened up a wound for him. I mean, I, I'm not saying it did, but i I know that there were there are a lot of guys on both sides of that that when you see that, it 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 brings up stuff. So, I I, I mean, I was listening to the game, and when I heard Greg say that, I was like, wow. And 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 see, and and my better half is loves the Chiefs, so he's like, well, why? You, I said, why do you think he said? It? I said, because I I'm almost sure. He was on that Miami team that lost to Ohio State, and they got a penalty, the ghost flag on that, on that, on that play. Well, that,
0: so, they were bitter too because of the, uh, the uh, uh, Miami ended up though getting, uh, getting a getting uh, f- a fourth down play. Was it Ohio State got that extra fourth down play?
3: Exactly. It was. It was, it was almost a, a similar play. Yeah, yeah. Guy yeah, took a little bit. So, saying Greg did that now, because I mean I know he's a whole lot more professional than that, but it's just that when you have a situation like that. At the end of the game, when you have a possibility to go both ways, it was a holding call. Do you hold, if you hold the flag then, we, well, we can't talk about because we don't know what would happen. But all, all we know is that he threw the flag. It was a legal call. It was the right call. It may not have been the right call at the right time, but it was, It was. let me make sure it was, say it's right. It was the correct call. Now, <laughs> yes. some, some people might agree or disagree, but. I mean, and you know, and I know what everyone's saying. Well, you know, let them play. It was in the game. Let's see what, what's going to happen with Philadelphia. And, and that sounds great and all that. But when you're official or a player at that moment in that time, you know, one side, you know, if you, Juju Smith, you're saying, man, I should have, you know, that was holding all, all day long. Other kids like, you know what, I've been playing like that all day. They didn't call it. So, I mean, and then the official says, well, it's a penalty. I might have missed them before, but I got this so I mean you, you it, it's not two sides it's probably eight sides to the store no, I, no
0: agree. I, I 100% agree with you on that. You, you, you know, if the official, you see the replay and you see him looking right at it and he doesn't call it, he gets in trouble with the league. I mean, you know, that's it's too big of a play. If you see it, you got to make the call, and I'm definitely not disagreeing with that. A uh, couple more things, and I'm going to let you go, Mike. First, first time in history two black quarterbacks faced off against each other in the Super Bowl. How cool was that for you to see? Long tie coming, and two of the best in the game now. I mean, I think... Uh, the upside of Jalen hurts this guy has done nothing but been a winner throughout his career. He, another guy you talk about Patrick Mahomes tell him he can't do something. My God, I'm not sure that it's not even worse if you try to tell Jalen hurts he can't do something.
3: You know what's amazing you know with Super Bowls played in February with Black History Month to have the opportunity for two black uh, quarterbacks, two exceptional young men you no know, great people um, and then to be able to have them play. And, and, and be the starting quarterbacks uh, in the Super Bowl was, was phenomenal. I mean, it's just, it, 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 it was special to a lot of different people. And, and to see the way the game is being played and how successful our, our young black men are at that, at that quarterback position. And, at, and when the time at one time they said guys couldn't play quarterback, they need to play something else. It's just a testament to you know, what these guys are, are people and their parents and what they've done and how the game is, is getting better. We still got a long way to go in the NFL and in the all sports. No, actually, actuality. But this is a, a great step, you know, forward for our young men and and how how to move forward in this game.
0: Super, Super cool. And Mike, before I let you go, of course, we got to revisit the tackle again. Uh, a play that called you called the play seventy seven blast. If I'm not mistaken, we've talked about it before. And um, a play that is that that literally sealed that Super Bowl and impacted your life, changed your life, changed a bunch of people's life because again, Kurt Warner I said it before to you, I'll say it again on the show love the guy, one of my favorite all time quarterbacks ever what he did but I still was unhappy when I watched that Super Bowl speech, I expected you to be singled out, hey thanks Mike because the bottom line is, does Kurt still get in the Hall of Fame? I think he does but if he's 0-3 compared to 1-2 and in the Super Bowl, that's a big thing, you're a guy that didn't win, now Jim Kelly he's in the Hall of Fame, he, won, he lost four straight, but again, that is changing, the story, the underdog story, the movie they made about Kurt Warner wouldn't have had the same feel had he not had at least that one Super Bowl ring um, just a gigantic thing, Mike, really quickly run us through that play again, because people never get tired of hearing about it, and then if you don't mind how that has impacted your life to this point
3: uh, Well, you know what, this gives me opportunity to warm up because I'm, I'm going to speak about it at this church in about an hour, so um it, you know, it's the last play of the game, of course. We just come out of timeout. And um, uh, we run the same – we ran the same defense in the red zone the entire season. Now, it was a adjusted defense, meaning we do different things during that, that defense. So, we come out, they call the play. Um, I am the inside short defender. And long story short, it's like a, a match zone. Someone runs through the zone, have to run through with them. But I also got to see a cutter. So I'm, I'm looking and you can't see my, see me now, but you see me right there. I, I ran through with Kevin, not Kevin, with uh, uh, Frank uh, through watch uh, up the center, up the scene. And then I turn and plant cause I see Kevin come underneath. And again, I thought I was gonna kill Kevin. And Kevin, it's always two sides to the story. Kevin knew where I was going to be at. He thought he would beat me to the spot. And I was forcing up when you see the tackle I got my arm around one and I hit my hand on the right spot on his knee. When you watch right there, you see me hit his knee and he goes down like a tree. And that's how, that's how we uh, were fortunate to win the, the Super Bowl. And, you know, it was a bunch of guys that did a lot of great things on that team. I mean, we have, I think five hall of famers now with coach Vermeule and hopefully Tory will be in. I think London has a shot now. Uh, so we are pushing for Tory and London to get in. So we'll have, close to seven guys on that team that were hall of famers and they're hall of fame people. And hopefully we can get them in to be hall of famers.
0: Again, you know, impacted your life tremendously. Have you seen the movie The Underdog Story? I always thought, and I said years ago, I felt the Kurt Warner story should have been called um, out of nowhere, the Kurt Warner story, because really the guy, you know, you're talking about a guy that was a stock boy in a supermarket and playing for the Iowa Barnstormers and backed up Jake DeLome for the Frankfurt Galaxy in the World Football League, and out of nowhere, Trent Green is supposed to be the savior a year after the team won two games with Tony Banks at the helm, and next thing you know, he goes down early in the preseason. I was actually at the Pontiac Silverdome the day that Kurt Warner got his first NFL start in the preseason against the Lions, and he threw this long pass to Anquan Bolden, and everyone's kind of, who is this guy? But I'm like, look, it's the Lions, for God's sakes. You can't judge this guy based on the Detroit Lions. But then he went, obviously, to quarterback what was called the greatest show on turf. I mean, did you see the movie? What would you think of it?
3: Well, you know what, it's funny because everyone calls me uh, and they said, well, Mike, they didn't show the last play. And I was like, <laughs> come on guys. I, I said, if they show the last play, then it is it, a different story. And they're like, no, what I never thought of. I said, this this is the Kurt Warner story. You know, so it, it it had to end with him throwing that touchdown pass. He's like, you know what, I didn't think of it that way. I said, yeah. I said, so, you know, hey, Kurt, everyone has a Kurt story. You know, and I and, and I just talked to someone out of Arkansas about this. They were uh, they called me like Mike. Hey man, hey, remember when, when we were talking about Kurt? I was like, yeah. I said we were talking about when Kurt right the year the, the spring before Kurt becomes a starter for the Rams. We would play basketball with these pl- police officers and firefighters. So you know how you go to the gym, you sign your name, and then the first five play, and then the, the first ten play, and then if you win, the next the, you you stay on. You lose, the next five come on. So Kurt gets there, and he signed his name. So we're there for about 40 minutes, and I'm looking. I'm like, okay, Kurt's still sitting on the side. So I'm like, Kurt, what are you doing? He said, I oh, don't worry about it. He said, no, these guys jump me. So I'm looking at the list, and Kurt's name is about number nine, and we're almost 30. So I'm like, hey, man, get in hey, guys, let this guy in. So we, everybody gets in. He gets in. He gets a run. So we fast forward to the season. We're about week seven, and it's after he's been on Sports Illustrated. So the guy, the police officer called me, said, you know, he's just shooting the stuff and said, Mike, uh, hey man, he said, um, was that the Kurt Warner that we jumped on basketball? I said, that's the exact same guy. <laughs> and everybody starts laughing, you know, and it's always, you know, curse a uh, humble guy. And that just tells you what kind of guy he is. You know, all these guys are jumping in front of him in basketball. He knows they're jumping in front of him. They don't care. Yeah, he doesn't say anything. And I and, and I end up having to tell these guys let him play. And and this is the same guy now has a movie, uh, Hall of Famer and all those things. So, you know, the Kurt Warner story, everyone has a story about it. They're all, 99% of them are true. Um, and it's amazing how many people he's impacted because of that. And I just, like I said, I, my hat's off to him and his wife for all the stuff they do down in Arizona and stuff like that. So great guys, great people, Hall of Fame, like I said, Hall of Fame people and, and the Hall of Fame football players.
0: That team was a class act, Mike. You know, my father always told me growing up that good things eventually happen to good people. And Kurt Warner's a good person. You're a good person, my friend. And look what's happened to you, man. Blessed. What a blessed life you live. A blessed opportunity. I know you got to go to church and speak about this. As always, Mike joins the show every year for the Super Bowl. Hopefully next year he'll be sitting next to me when we do our Super Bowl show here in Vegas. Uh, a Raiders alumni, and uh, of course the bowl in uh, in Super Bowl in, in uh, Las Vegas, and of course I'm praying that somehow my Detroit Lions can find a way to win their second playoff and Super Bowl second playoff game in the Super Bowl area and find a way here to Vegas next year. Although that's a long pipe dream. Mike, thanks so much for joining the show, my friend, and we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. All right, thanks, Brian. Once again, that is Mike Jones, uh, the tackle in Super Bowl 34. Again, I was there at the Georgia Dome. Um, Just an incredible game and an incredible finish, and um, it'll be a great memory, and it's it's awesome to have Mike on the show every year breaking down the Super Bowl and talking about it because uh, talk about a guy that lived the dream. Like I said, there's probably maybe ten plays in NFL history that actually have a name stuck to them, and this play was called the tackle, and it's after Mike Jones. I mean, the guy's going to live in infamy. It's one play that defines his entire life. And many times I've talked to Mike, and he always says, you know, they're pretty much, unless he's ill or doesn't go out of his house— it's almost every single day that that play comes up and is something that's talked about here he here he is leaving now it's obviously only a week removed from the Super Bowl but he's getting off of our show and going to his church to talk about that you know like an underdog story it's a really really cool thing um listen guys we're obviously running behind but but there's good for good reason let's get right to it and let's go to nightcap They come to play every game.
2: It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From
0: highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Well, the puck does start here, and um, hell of a game last night. Matter of fact, it's been a. Uh, if you're a Golden Knights fan, you've been enjoying what you've been watching since the All-Star break. Other than obviously Logan Thompson going out with a lower body injury, and he's week to week right now. But um, his replacement, Aiden Hill, who's been the backup, and Aiden's got a decent amount of playing time this year. Has already exceeded his career best in wins. Aiden's three and and0 If you want to count the game he came in for Logan Thompson for, he's four and since. Taking over, and that is gigantic. Another guy that also got off the snide was Jonathan March. So We'll hear from both of them in a minute, but I want to start right off with listening to what Bruce Cassidy had to say about what has been the difference uh, from this team since the All Star break. They needed to be recharged. I learned that, that, you know, we were a
1: certain level of fatigue. We played a lot of hockey. Our, our schedule here in February has been kinder in terms of rest get a day off tomorrow again to rest a little and and, you know get back on it for now it kicks in once we go to Chicago almost every second day from here on in Um, I I like our attention to detail coming out of the break We, we don't have a ton of like team meeting meetings you know we go over games and we do video but we had a little longer one discussing okay this is kind of part three of the season and it's time to play Winning hockey and you play winning hockey by taking care of um, taking care of the puck, you know, details, discipline. There's a lot of different things that go into it, and I think they bought into that. We've been defending very, very well. Tonight we gave up four, which is a little more than you want, but I don't think the scoring chances would be the equivalent of that. We had kind of break it down. It's a very good offensive team, and they got a late one, so you know, I think that that part of it is to me has been very good. I always think we'll score in that room, even though it didn't look like it for a stretch there at home, and then come right. Uh, going into the break but there's a lot of talent in that room that will eventually come around now you're starting to see a jack got going smitty now you see marshy tonight so everyone's
0: starting to find their game yeah mark so with two goals and after the game he also talked about how what what is the difference of this team now than before the all-star break
1: we played well i mean uh, uh before the break i think that's one of the things that we would get a little down when we were down one goal or something and Uh, We learned that uh, full game is 60 minutes so there's always a lot of game uh, left and uh, that's something that we had in our DNA since year one and uh, uh, we just have to get it back.
0: And they're getting it back. I mean, they looked really, really good last night. Uh, you know, offensive game, a lot of goals, but what was so impressive was, again, how quickly they responded after Tampa Bay, who really has a lot of firepower, you know, with point. And, uh, I mean, Kucherov, this team is, is, is is you know, you've seen what they've done. They've almost been a dynasty of their own right in the past couple of years in the National Hockey League. Um, and they've just been really good, and they're always right there. Um but also uh, after the, the game and Marcy talked about what uh, you know what it felt like to finally get those goals and get off the Snide. It's uh,
1: probably the longest I went, but I mean uh, just have to move on. you know it's on to the next game and uh, we're gonna enjoy it until midnight tonight and uh, we're trying to get better and more.
0: That's what they've got to do, and of course, I mentioned Aiden Hill, who, uh, you know, I mean, it's not that Aiden Hill's been great, but he's been good enough, and he's getting the job done uh, between the pipes, and they need him desperately now. I mean, Logan Thompson out, Aiden Hill's going to have to step up and be the number one goaltender, and he seems to be earning that spot. You know, Aiden Hill's a big guy, six foot four man. When I stood next to him in the locker room yesterday, I'm like, wow, I, you don't realize how big he is between the pipes, but he's a big guy. Chris asked him after the game about his confidence. uh. Um, you know, basically the confidence level he's having since the All-Star break and since he's been playing so well.
2: After the bye week, how's the confidence growing with each game? Yeah, no, I feel good. I feel good about my game right now. Um, our D-men are playing really well in front of you, which has helped me out a lot. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to the next.
0: And, and you know, he keeps playing like this. Chris, he's going to be, uh, you know, he's going to get the job done. I mean, yesterday, the majority of the goals, I saw maybe one goal that I thought for sure should have been stopped. But a couple of those goals, anybody's going to get beat by the goals that went past him. You know, they they were one-timers. Two of them were one-timers. One of them's a really nice deflection in front of the net. Wasn't really defensive breakdowns. But, you know, Tampa Bay's a hell of a team, man. They're going to score goals. Yeah, uh,
2: he he's been playing well, and and he's been con- pretty consistent all season. He had the one game where he was pulled, uh, but other than that, Aiden Hill ha- ha- has been better than I think anyone could have expected or anticipated. I asked him if he felt like this was the best hockey he's played in his life, and he kind of deflected a little bit, you know. And I get that. I maybe you know he he's superstitious guy. You don't want to jinx it or anything,
0: but it's the best plaque he's played in his life <laughs> well I mean I mean the thing is maybe he was in high school or college this or something, team
2: needed needed a boost yeah and it's not just Aiden Hill who's given them the boost after the bye week right like, like it felt like they they played pretty well against the Islanders they they went to overtime they lost um William Carrier had the opportunity with the penalty shot and he kind of joked about being the last guy you'd want to have a penalty shot after that one but uh, they they played pretty well, and I think the bye week came at a perfect time for them. Um, look, then they had the dad's trip coming out of the bye week, Nashville and Minnesota, two places where they went and they they were pretty emphatic in their, their wins against two teams that you should beat, right? These are two teams that one is not a playoff team. The other is, is basically treading water at this point, and I think they're going to be sellers at the deadline, so they may go from treading water to being underwater in about a week. Uh, but look, this team's playing well. I, I was anxious to see how they did in these first five games out of out of the the bye week. And look, they're five and zero. They go to Chicago on Tuesday. You never want to get ahead of yourself, but you have to look at that and think, all right, if the Golden Knights play their game, they win pretty easily. Then you come back for for a couple really tough, tough games. games,
0: Calgary and uh, Calgary,
2: Dallas, Dallas um, and then I think New Jersey. Yeah. Um, after that, so no, there's 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 a game in between there. I don't I don't know, but anyway. Um, I, I try not to look too far ahead in the schedule, Brian. But
0: yeah, I mean, look, this well, is actually actually Chris. It's, they go to Colorado after that. Okay, I mean, so so
2: so some really tough games. Yeah. So uh, look, the, the the reality of the situation, Brian, is this team needed to prove, I think, to themselves that they could win without Mark Stone. Then you get the Aiden Hill or the the, the Logan Thompson injury, and it's like, oh great, here we go again. Look, they're 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 five and zero, and I I didn't expect that. I I did not think that they would win. Granted, there are some bad teams in there, but it doesn't matter, right? You 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 play who's on your schedule. You're five and zero. You should be six and zero after Tuesday night, and then you get into March and you, you you see where the chips go. Well,
0: the good thing is you got those tough games at home. You got Calgary yeah. and Dallas. The, home, home, team stretch the home stretch of the season. Look, and
2: it's time to start winning at home consistently. This, They've been doing that lately. This team will be defined, I think, by the five game road trip where they go to Florida, Carolina, St. Louis, and Philadelphia. That, to me, is the defining road trip at this stage of the season. You do fairly well there, and I think all of a sudden you you, you believe you're a contender. if you you don't, you struggle, maybe maybe a question. But the problem with that is that that road trip is after the trade deadline. yeah The, the thing is, they've gone five and0. I think they, the team is, has has kind of said to the general manager, "We can go out and win games. Go out and get us somebody who's going to put us over the top now." Whether or not that happens, I, I I don't know. But they've earned maybe...
0: Oh my God, how could they have not earned it, Chris? Yeah. They're the best team in no, no, the Pacific no, what, right what now. What
2: I'm saying is they've earned, I think, the opportunity to at least explore
0: trade options at the deadline. No, that's what I'm saying. I mean, they're right now the number one team in the Western Conference, tied with Dallas with 72 points. That's pretty damn impressive, considering they were going backwards and stuck in the mud for a little while. That that December-January was pretty rough. And and you talk about a defining game. I thought yesterday, Chris, especially with Tampa comes out and scores that early goal, seven seconds later, Brett Howden puts the puck in the net. What a gigantic goal for the kid to score there. And as a matter of fact, yeah, yeah. he talked about that. That after the game, and we've got that. Got
1: that. I think the first uh, five minutes of the game, we were, they were kind of on, on their toes and kind of pushing hard. And, um, I think for us to get a response like that right away kind of got us back in the game and settled us in. And after that, uh, I think we kind of took off.
0: Yeah, it really did settle them in. I mean, and again, they went up again, and Vegas answered right back, and that's the kind of thing you have to do. I mean, everybody is doing their part, Chris. Even a guy, we talked about it in between this, uh, after the game, we were getting ready to go in the locker room, and I said, you know, it's too bad you can't have more than two guys get an assist on a goal. And even Cassidy approached it, and somebody mentioned it in the postgame yeah, uh, press yeah. conference afterwards. Amadio was going down, and I mean, the wherewithal to, to get the puck to Carlson, who did the touch, who got it to Smith, who ended up doing the touch pass to Shea Theodore to put it in the net. But what a great start of that play by Michael Amadio, who ever since he's come back from Henderson, this guy is like determined never to play in the AHL again. He is playing some good hockey, and I think he has cemented himself as a regular on this Vegas Golden Knights team now.
2: Yeah, Amadio's been really good. He's been a, a really big surprise, I think, this season. Yeah. Um, he's, a, he's certainly a guy who he's meshed with Riley Smith and with Carlson. You know, and credit to Bruce Cassidy because he's continued to to try to um tinker with the lines to get things right. Maybe he finally has it right now. Uh you know, a lot of coaches are stubborn and they, they keep they, they refuse to make changes because they think whatever they're doing is, is the reason that, that things are good and when things are bad it's someone else's fault. Bruce Cassidy has has tinkered with this lineup to get it right, and he's working worked tirelessly. To get it right, is this the final product? I don't know. It certainly looks pretty good right now, um, but but you know I, I I can appreciate and respect the fact that Bruce Cassidy has continued to change things up to make sure that they work. Uh, and Mike Lamadio was a guy who's taken advantage of, of every opportunity he's been given this year, and and that's full marks to him because a lot of guys you know they 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 get buried in the lineup sometimes and they disappear. And Mike Lamadio again, we're talking about earning. Mike Lamadio has earned everything he's gotten no this year. About he's it. not a guy who was handed an opportunity. He's a guy who's gone out and he's earned it. So, you know, it, it's pretty great to see Brett Howden. You know, obviously scores a big goal last night. He's a guy who I think you root for, especially after he suffered that season ending injury last year. Yeah, it, was it was pretty terrible. horrific, terrible, and he missed a bunch of time this year too. So, for him to come back and 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 be you know productive and and be a good player for this team on that fourth line, they need that and and. You know the one thing that impresses me the most is this team seems to forget scoring from guys all over all all the time who you you just
0: don't expect. Well, three of the four lines last night, Chris scored. Yeah, and, and that, then a couple nights ago, you had you had every line. Uh, yeah, and 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 everybody, like I said, everybody's contributing. I love how hard Phil Kessel's playing. If you watch him, he might not have showed up in the scores column yesterday, but Phil Kessel was around. Well, the
2: he puck. got that big penalty. You know that that doesn't show up in 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 you know the stats as far as goals, but he he got that that uh stick interference penalty on Steven Stamkos and they didn't score on the power play, but that was the the, the goal where Marcia so scored one second after the power play expired. Yep. So you know, you could say, oh, well, he didn't, he didn't have a goal or an assist, but he had a huge... He's
0: another guy that is earning his time, where people were saying, and I was one of them. He's really watching going. Point. Yeah, where I was saying, you know, sooner or later, this team, if well, they want to make a run... He's a, a veteran, run, or, yeah, and, but, and he knows how to play. He but, knows but, but how to all pace of us himself. Were, all of us were kind of calling for, like, he might be a healthy scratch at this 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 not, consecutive not this game point. streak. No, <laughs> this, this, but that's what I was saying before the All-Star break. But going into the All-Star break, even they were, though we're losing, he was catching his legs, and he's been playing really good out. They all have been. I'm going to end this segment by saying this. They go on the road Tuesday night. They are in Chicago, as Chris said. Uh, That is a game they should win, which will give them six straight wins again. The longest winning streak they've had since they won nine from October 24th to November 10th. This is big for them. Then the two home games coming up after that this week. Calgary will be here on Thursday, and then Dallas next Saturday night. I'll be at that game. I'm looking forward to it. We'll get some sound from that. And the final thing I'm going to say, they've got 26 games left to go in the regular season. People are asking me, and I got asked last night, When do you think you'll see Laurent Brossois? Tuesday night in Chicago. Laurent Brossois will be between between the pipes. It's the perfect time to acclimate him. Going to Chicago, where he has some experience playing in the AHL there. Uh, But more than anything else... Lauren Brossois by going to by, by by getting the shot there he's on the road against a team that's not playing well. It's the perfect game to give him his first game in the National Hockey League this season. So we'll see what happens 26 games left. To me the Vegas Golden Knights without question now are a playoff team. Uh, they're they're the question is, will they keep it in overdrive, continue to win and maybe give themselves like number, the number one seed in the Western conference? I think that would be huge regardless of what their record was at T-Mobile arena prior to the all-star break. This team will get its legs at T-Mobile arena. We saw it last night. The crowd does invigorate them and the golden Knights team will be a force and a team that should at least be somebody considered to compete for the Stanley cup this year. Listen, running low on time, wanted to get to UNLV basketball really quick. Uh, Bad loss Tuesday night against San Jose State. The game, It was a nine-point loss, 75-66. To me, the game was never that close. Um, San Jose State was the better basketball team. These teams almost had identical records, kind of mirror images each of each other. I didn't like it at all. And the way I see it, and I'll tell you in a minute where I think UNLV is going to go the rest of the way. But after the game, Kevin Krueger spoke You know about what happened.
2: Sorry, Brian, I don't have the sound for that.
0: You didn't have that one? Okay, well, no big deal. But Kevin Kruger, you could see, he was somewhat befuddled after the game. Uh, he was sitting there, uh, Chris, he, he just didn't have a lot to say. And there's not much to say. I don't know what you can do. You know, I said at the beginning of the season, when they went on that 10-game winning streak to start the season, beating the likes of Dayton, beating Minnesota, who we see how bad they are in the Big Ten, and also beating Washington State of the Pac-12, I thought, wow, that was sprinkled into that 10-game w- winning streak, where those aren't powder Puffs when you put them on the schedule. You don't know how bad or good they're going to be. Dayton was actually ranked when they came to the Thomas and Mack Center. So surprising that it went down like that, but this team I am very concerned with. They've got three games, or I think four games left in the regular season. The only game I see that's winnable, they got to go to Boise State Friday night. They've got Air Force at home. I think they win that game, but then they go to Utah State, and then they got to go to Reno. I think they go one and three down the stretch. That's going to give them 17 wins on the season. And then the Mountain West Conference, that would be a play-in game. I think the only two teams, Chris, and I'm going to say this, that they can beat in the Mountain West Tournament would be Wyoming and Air Force. I think if they get matched up against anybody else, they'll get bounced in the playoff game. Well, play-in Brian, game. Brian they, they've gotten
2: swept by Fresno State, who might, might have been one of the worst teams in the conference. Swept by San Jose State, who... Much improved under Tim Miles, you know. Yeah, full, I like him a lot. He he's a great coach, and and he's really working miracles at a program that needs a, a miracle worker. But I, I you know, Brian, it, it, it's one of those things where I'm I'm almost embarrassed of this program. Like we're we're close to that because, and it's not Kevin Kruger's fault. It's not Marvin Menzies' fault. It's the the just the apathy that the administration and it doesn't matter how many years we go back has shown towards this program they've they've ignored football for far too long and now now we're going to watch San Diego State go into the the Pac-12 uh, look at some point the people in Maryland Parkway have to wake up and understand that if they want to have the, the the way you raise the profile of your school is through athletics UNLV is not Vanderbilt. UNLV is not Stanford. UNLV is not an Ivy League school. UNLV is a school that is known for their basketball program. There's multiple banners of great players hanging in that gym. National title. Right now, there's not one person alive...
0: Who you would be recruiting? Who remembers any of those players? <laughs> no, they they have to look at the banners to see. And the only thing with UNLV that that you know you can say is, you know, once upon a time there was a tradition. That tradition's gone. Although I do think uh, the athletic director that's in place right now will kick some ass and take some names. And I do think there is change on the way. Real quick, we're almost out of time. I got to get to fact this because this I did want your guys' opinion on. This. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. It's a fact. Tiger Woods handed Justin Thomas a tampon after outdriving him on the ninth hole in the opening round of the Genesis Genesis Open Thursday. In my opinion, this uh, was blowing everything way out of proportion, as it was two friends messing around with each other. I understand, uh, and Tiger Woods said it was supposed to be all fun and games, and obviously it hasn't turned out that way. Uh, that's what Woods told reporters after the round. Um, you know, the one thing you can say, because of Tiger Woods' past, was it in bad taste you know, being that it was Tiger Woods. That's the one thing I can ask you. Spencer, I'm going to let you chime in on this real quickly. Uh, Your thoughts on it, because I will say it's two friends messing around. You got 15 seconds, so let me know what you thought.
1: Yeah, society has changed a lot, Brian. I think that's about as far as I can say. I don't think this would have been a big deal back in 2005, but things are just different in the United States now.
0: Yeah, it is. And I think it's a shame because, like I said, it's two friends. Tiger Woods, by the way, did make the cut. He'll play today under par. Not going to compete for a championship, but, hey, made the weekend. It's good to see. And, again, we said Derek Carr, he's visiting the Jets this weekend. He is. Listen, this has been out of line. I want to thank Mike Jones for joining the show. Of course, always thank Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski for making everything Everything happened on the video end and being part of the show. And, of course, Chris Magnum Chapman behind the wheels of steel making it work. on Brian Feldman. It's out of line. We will be back next week. We're here every Sunday, same time. 8 to 9, Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.